When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players. Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com for more information and learn how you can book today. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Into the TD Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner. No Jake Arians today because he's off in San Antonio doing big time in us doing something with coaches or something like that. I have no idea where he is at the moment, but we got to talk about some games. We got to talk about some quarterback controversy. We got to talk about some coaching extensions happening in the league. So, Jamie, first and foremost, I will ask you it pains me to ask you this, but. Is there an actual quarterback controversy in Philadelphia? I think there could be. I I see a very clear path to there being an issue. And it's not just because of the play Nick Foles has shown us over the last few months in December and into January. It's because of the cap situation, which is why you you hear us bring that up all the time. That's what's really dictating a lot of these moves. That's why you see players that can still play get cut, even if their coaches believe there's more game left in them. Nick Foles has a, a cap hit next year of more than $20 million. That's a lot of money. $20 million of cash guaranteed. So he's going to get paid that money. The Eagles are about $11 million over the cap right now. They have almost their full roster under control for next year, but they're still going to have to sign a few players. And obviously they're still going to have to get under the cap. I would imagine the cap goes up next year, but it's not going to go up by, I don't think it'll go up by $11 million enough. (laughs) Um, Nelson Aguilar looks like a a potential cap casualty there, but reality is is you're going to have almost $30 million in cap space tied up in your quarterback position between Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. The most logical thing for them to do was to be to find somebody to trade for Nick Foles. Um, If you could find someone that would pay his guarantee, that'd be great, but odds are they're going to have to pony up the money and then just get some assets in return. But... If Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl this year, and that's back-to-back, I don't know how you go into the season without Nick Foles as your starting quarterback. And in that case, I think you then you, you're looking to trade Carson Wentz for multiple first-round picks. Yeah, I think the scenario that you're playing out here, which, listen, we're jumping the gun, but that's... We're, we're oh, yeah, playing, you have to win three more football games. Yeah, we're, we're playing a little hypothetical game here now. But Philadelphia had never won a Super Bowl, okay? They win the Super Bowl last year. Philadelphia as a city is a crazy sports city. They're in the, I put them in the upper echelon of sports cities, right? As far as passion and how many people care about the games and what it means to the city. Okay. Old sports city. 
you th- Nick Foles already has a cult following in yes, Philadelphia. Yes. Okay. If he wins a second Super Bowl, okay. Now I've realized, like I said, I'm putting it out there hypothetically. Okay. I, it would be monumentally stupid to not keep him there. It, it becomes, it, it becomes a tough decision. I, I I have no doubts in my mind that from a pure football standpoint that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback 100%. than Nick Foles. I believe he could do more. However, there is a legit concern that you would have is that you've now two years in a row where Carson Wentz isn't physically able to finish out your season. Yes. And that is a problem for a quarterback his age. Back problems, again, don't typically go away. I know that wasn't the issue we had last year. It was the knee. But you know, back problems don't usually go away super easy, especially for somebody that of, of Carson Wentz's size – Yes, not not crazy size for an NFL player, but for an average person, he's he's taller than the average person. I just, to me, if Nick Foles even gets to the Super Bowl, I think we're in that conversation of we're legitimately there's a chance that Carson Wentz could get traded. If they lose to New Orleans this week, I think again all it does is hey, you know, thanks for everything, Nick, and we're going to trade you to the highest bidder. Yeah, and I think there's a, listen, this could be a fun conversation where we're talking about a couple of really good options for Nick Foles. Yeah. And a couple quite a few teams that need a good quarterback, correct? There um, are. And and look, there's I, I don't I have a very hard time evaluating Nick Foles. I mean, there are a yes. couple of things he does really well. He is one of the best quarterbacks in football against the Blitz. And I think you saw that a lot against Chicago. We'll get into that game in a little bit. When, when you blitz Nick Foles is when he's at his best. And that is an amazing skill to have considering how often teams blitz nowadays. He has a pretty darn good deep ball. And that's yep. something he does better than Carson Wentz. But I also have a lot of knowledge on – a lot of film on Carson uh, – excuse me, on Nick Foles prior to this. And I say I don't see this quarterback that he has shown in spurts all the time. Like you look at the first half of that Chicago game. I've seen a lot of that Nick Foles. Yep. So I don't really know where his true talent level lies – Although I would say in the right system, he probably deserves to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Listen, he's proven it. I mean, we've watched him. He's been a great regular season quarterback too. He just, in Philadelphia, this season alone, he was Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, this there was no quarterback controversy. People were praying for Carson Wentz to come back. Carson Wentz came back and was okay. This football team, I would say, was more so struggling in totality than it yes. was just Carson Wentz's struggles. And now they're having success, but I think a lot of it has to do – I don't want to say I'm, – I'm not trying to take anything away from Nick Foles. But this football team on paper came into this season as a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. Okay? And I think what's happening now is it's amazing how the narrative quickly turned them into this ultimate underdog. This team was underachieving. They were yes. not an underdog. They made themselves the underdogs. They made themselves Nobody the made them – no, yeah. this is the exact same roster that beat the Patriots last season in the Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, they added pieces in the offseason. Yeah. So to me, I think a little bit of it is trying to what happens in a season, which is funny to watch how the narratives get turned yes. quickly yes. and how things change. But make no mistake, this Philadelphia team was supposed to be here. Yes. They were supposed, they were supposed to, be to be hosting a playoff game. Correct. They were supposed to be the Bears. They were supposed to be the team that – Locked up their division double digit games and, and won double-digit games and was hosting a playoff game. And instead, it was the Dallas Cowboys who won their division and are now moving on. Uh, let's talk about yeah, – The terrible NFC East that now has two teams in the second round. Yeah, and could potentially match up against each other in the NFC could. championship game, which would be 
outrageous, and that is exactly what I'm exactly what I'm rooting for. I would not be able to watch sports talk anything for two weeks. What you don't look forward to Stephen A. Smith hanging out in Dallas and routing all the fan base? You could have stopped that Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hunter Henry's back this week, so congratulations, Stephen A. You might get to see him this year. Yeah, Hunter Henry is back, activated. That is some news. Uh, But I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, one of the teams that lost this weekend, uh, but their coach, and how, talk about narratives, how it switched quite a bit this year. So, John Harbaugh, halfway through this football season, was being talked about by guys like Ian Rappaport. Okay, so these are not fake, these are not like. These are not fan rumors. No, these are not fan rumors. These are real, legitimate reports that ownership in Baltimore was thinking about making a change. Okay, and that is that. Obviously, John Harbaugh has been in Baltimore for a long time. When we read that report, we made fun of the report. We mocked it. We said, okay, fire John Harbaugh. And, oh, by the way, he's going to have a job in five seconds. Um, so I think it's it's funny to see we, we talked about the narratives. Halfway through the season, he's getting fired. He's now been being given an extension. Yeah, and look, there's – it's tough life in the NFL for everybody, but when we talk about head coaches in particular, where you're you are judged by a lot of actions that you have little control over. Uh, for example, it, in, in a lot of times it's a micro sense, and I guess it's fair because players are judged on, on that as well. I remember during the game in the first half where people were talking about how I can't believe it, isn't John Harbaugh supposed to be a special teams coach? And they're getting absolutely dominated on special teams, and then they turned it around in the second half, and they were a great special teams team in the second half. It, it's it, to me, I think. I, Teams get bored, and I think teams get bored with coaches more so than players do. And a lot of times when I hear a coach has lost a room or they need a different voice, a lot of times I feel like that's the owner saying that about himself yes, or the GM saying that to save his job more than his players saying that about the coach. Because if you win, locker rooms turn over a bunch. How many people are on this Baltimore Ravens team that were on there when John Harbaugh first take over? Yeah. Flacco, and that's going to be it. Yeah. Legitimately. Maybe. And I felt kind of he might have been on the team that drafted Flacco. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, there are so few players that carry on five, six, seven, eight years with your franchise, particularly outside of the quarterback position, that I, I don't buy that narrative. They need a different voice in the room. You're either no. winning or you're not. John no, it's Harbaugh an excuse. is a winner. He has won games. He's won a Super Bowl, but he's also wins a lot of games. And I, and I think that matters too because we have seen coaches – that burn very brightly sometimes where they have a one or two year run where everything is clicking for them yep. and they never quite get back to that. Hi, Jeff Fisher. Yeah. I mean, I mean we've seen, we've seen coaches like that, that it, in my opinion, it is harder to sustain success over the long term than it is to win one Super Bowl one year. Now, John Harbaugh's done both. To me, there, there will be, we hear this term like teams would fire their coach to get this guy. A third of the league would fire their coach, if not more. And that includes it, and that doesn't include teams that don't have a coach right now. Yeah, no. More than half the league would, would be glad to have a coach like John Harbaugh. He makes sense for this. We'll talk about how that plays into the game because I do think his contract status did have somewhat of a factor in how that game played out, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But overall, you find a way to make this work. Coaches like this don't grow on trees. And again, where are you going to replace him? Yeah, you're not. Do you have an awesome option? If you if you had like a a young player that John Harbaugh. Or a young coach that John Harbaugh groomed and got ready for this position. You were waiting to give him that opportunity. He's the next in line, which we sure. almost never see. We sure. never see this in sports. No. Uh, I guess the closest thing might be McDaniels. And even that, we don't see that relationship anymore because it fractures. It happened with Belichick and Parcells. And anybody remember how that ended with the New York Jets? Okay. That, it just doesn't work like that. Okay. It's tough to hold people down because 
Eventually, the teacher he still wants to teach. All of a sudden, that pupil's not – he doesn't like him as much anymore. Yeah. It's human nature. You're not going to find a better option than John Harbaugh, which is evidenced by teams reportedly calling the Ravens with trade offers to get him. Yeah, which does not surprise me at all. Uh, let's get into these games, Jamie. Indianapolis – uh, I want to say I don't want to take full credit for this, but yeah, you do. yeah, I do. This entire <laughs> this entire podcast was all aboard the Andrew Luck train. It's my lock of the week this week. So if you were a TV fantasy subscriber, you got to see that uh, my lock of the week this week was the Indianapolis Colts plus one or plus one and a half. We got them, and they won outright. Yeah, and I think listen, Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck did exactly what I expected him to do. I, I didn't expect them to go up twenty one nothing in the first half. But what I wasn't surprised by was Deshaun Watson struggled badly, and Andrew Luck shined bright. And that's the, that was the main difference there, right? And I've said this before. When you look at a team and you look and you say, okay, these teams are pretty evenly matched, okay? They're pretty I – don't, I don't give a huge edge to one team over the other in coaching, in, in, in any way, right? And then I look and I go, okay – What's the huge? What's the biggest disparity on the football field? Quarterback position, yeah. huge difference. I like Deshaun Watson. I think he has he'll a get play. there. He'll get there, but Where's there's a head difference head? between being Andrew Luck and being Deshaun Watson, and that was glaringly apparent in this game. Offensively, I thought this was a game of two halves because I thought the Colts blew them out of the building in the first half of the game, and I, and I guess if I had to be a little bit critical of them. It's that I don't. I didn't feel like with a chance to really step on their throats, the Colts took their opportunities in the second half. I thought that no. offense completely uh, just clammed up. Yeah, it looks like they were conservative. So I didn't love the way they played the second half of the game. But in that first half, they were dominant. I mean, they were moving the ball at will. Uh, I, I think converting that big third and long on the very first drive, third offensive play of the game was huge because you walk in there and you go three and out in that whole building. There's a lot of there's a lot of momentum that sure. switches to the other side. A lot of you know again, there's no pressure. Deshaun Watson walked onto that field already losing the football game. And yeah. I think that's the kind of pressure you want to give a quarterback in his first NFL playoff game. And again, there is a difference. Deshaun Watson's not afraid of pressure moments. He's played in pressure moments. No, his for sure. Life. He played in the biggest pressure moment up until this point that he possibly could have in that and national won. championship game against Bama and won. Yep. Okay, walked in there and won. With it, he wasn't quite a Vince Young like performance, but it was pretty. Well, it was close. huge. He, he it was very impressive. Very impressive. But again, you put him in the situation where they're behind, and, and I know we talked a lot about where Deshaun Watson's not used to coming back from games where you're down more than a couple scores. Yeah, and he wasn't able to get him back here. But the story of this game to me, as good as Andrew Luck was, was the Indianapolis defense. Yeah, they played out of their mind. They got to Deshaun Watson, and I remember if we talked about it on the show, I said what the biggest mismatch was. Andrew Luck was the most protected quarterback in the league. Deshaun Watson was the least protected quarterback in the league. And when it mattered, the Indianapolis Colts were able to get pressure with their front seven on Deshaun Watson, and he was not able to respond. He was he was hit a lot. He was making throws off balance a lot. He felt very uncomfortable. He was missing open receivers. Uh, that one play where he has Ryan Griffin wide open, and yeah. this play that at worst gets them inside the 15, and at best if he's able to put on the stop sign a little bit, he's able to crawl into the end zone. Because of the pressure they had been getting to him, even though they didn't get to him on that play, he was a little jumpy there and saw the pressure coming in around him and makes a bad throw. Those are adjustments he's going to make. I'm extremely encouraged for him going into next year. He's in then another full year removed from that ACL procedure. I'm, I'm really optimistic about what he can do in that offense. But right now, the biggest difference in the game was can they protect him? And they can't protect him right now, and that's always going to limit their upside. I do think the 
uh, Will Fuller injury. Obviously, he wasn't in this game. I think it was easy he to – didn't have t- a second option. Demarius yeah, Thomas is out. I, I think, out. yeah, you look and you saw you, – you cover Hopkins, and there's not a lot of options there for him. And that's what they did. They took away Hopkins in this game. And I looked around, and there were a couple of drops early in the first half, and I said, man, he really needs – it was very apparent to me that he needed another option to throw the ball to because your rookie, your young quarterback needs more than that. I would like to see them get a, a, somebody that, not a, a game changer is too, too superfluous of a term, but just a, a game changing type player that's an impact at tight end position. Uh, if the Colts do decide to cut Jack Doyle, uh, I don't know if they will, but he has a, he has a not insignificant cap number they can easily get out of if they decide, well, you know what, we just, we're just going to run with Eric Ebron now. We don't want to, we're not going to lock up, I think it's like five or six million dollars in cap space in our number two tight end. If they decide to cut a player like that, that would be somebody I would go after if I was Houston. He needs another option there. We're never going to be able to rely on Will Fuller being healthy. And we know Watson and Will Fuller have a damn good connection. We have yeah. seen it when he's on the field. But he's going to be hurt a lot. Yeah, you need another option, and the running game is not dynamic enough to overcome no. having a not having another pass catching option. That's something they're going to have to work on in the offseason too, because I think you have. I mean, Lamar Miller is capable of starting in the NFL. Yes. Why are you not getting consistent production there? No Deontay idea. Foreman, I know he's hurt, but you just, he hasn't been the impact player you wanted from him. On that note, though, Marlon Mack had some really strong runs. In that yes, game. he did. And I think the biggest difference here, and again, it's not discounting Andrew Luck, who was awesome. But Andrew Luck went – if you remember, Andrew Luck's last healthy season, they went 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. It's not like it was always Andrew Luck. He needed some pieces around him yep. to make him because he and took – that was probably a three-win off- roster he went 8-8 eight eight And with. a good offensive line. The offensive line got a lot better, particularly that left side of the offensive line, which is great. And, again, they deserve a lot of credit for turning things around. It's yep. not just that Darius Leonard pick. They, it's not just Quentin Nelson, who might be the number two offensive rookie of the year behind Saquon Barkley for me. Yeah. I mean, he. I'd probably go Barkley, Nelson, Baker, and Lindsey in that order at Offensive Player of the Year. But they have remade that team on the fly, and if they can get a couple pieces in the secondary, I still think they need one other piece on offense, another outside wide receiver. Um, I, that's a team that we're talking about contending for a Super Bowl. And again, I think they got a shot next week in Kansas City. I really do. Yeah. No, uh, we'll get into that later on in the week. But I am I saw the early line come out at five and a half and went, sign me up for Andrew Luck so. getting five and a half points. Uh, next game we're going to talk about Dallas gets a victory at home against Seattle. Listen, I there were multiple times where exactly what I thought was going to happen, scenario-wise, happened. But Seattle did not come through in ways that I've seen them come through in, in in previous years. And I think there was a little bit of my my mind that I had I had made up my mind that Seattle was still capable of doing that. And I think what was proven to me by Dallas winning this football game is that Russell Wilson's still Russell Wilson, but the magic that we've seen in previous years isn't there anymore because they're not as talented as they were in years past. And That's absolutely right. They, they are. They they're, they have a lot of pieces. I was surprised at how ineffective they ran the ball. Yes. Um, and how quickly they kind of gave up on their running game. I think that was the difference here. And I know they, this is this is the case for, and I know that a lot of people have criticized the Giants and Saquon Barkley. This is the case for why you draft game-changing running backs that high. If you actually truly believe they can be game-changing, not just good, Game changer. No. Yes. Ezekiel Elliott was the best football player on the field in this game. And it wasn't opinion. close. And he is a true difference maker. And the Dallas' ability to control the clock and run the ball changes so much for Dak Prescott and changes so much for that team. And it allows them to do so many different things and allows them to, again, be able to control the game 
with the running game is a different type of play because there are less, there's inherently less risk every time you turn around and hand the ball off than when you throw the ball. I don't care if you have the greatest quarterback of all time. There's just less risk. I know Ravens says I don't want to hear this after the first half of their game, yeah. but generally there is less risk turning around and hitting the football off. And when you have somebody like that that can chew up a lot of clock, that can wear down the other defense, and you're able to do play action off that, you can cover up for a lot of mistakes. And that's what Dallas has been able to do because they don't have a ton of other talent besides him and Amari Cooper. That yep. is, that's their entire offensive talent level right now. They desperately need to find a tight end in that offense. Yes, because it will, ha- it will help Dak tremendously. And it's not Blake Jarwin or, no. or it's not any of the pieces they have. You no, know, they needed a good Jeff, tight end. You know, I mean, it, it, none of those pieces. They need to find somebody to, for Dak to go to. But And, and look, you, you've seen out of credit. They clawed back. They didn't have their kicker for the second half. They yeah, that was for two and it cha- Again, it changes the way you play. It changes the way the defensive plays. When, mm-hmm. when, when, when you take field goals out of the equation, the entire way you play that game on both sides of the ball is it, it changes immensely, and, and it's one of those things where I wa- I start wondering if it, it doesn't happen that often, but I do wonder in some of these playoff games if teams would consider a second guy instead of carrying an extra special teams guy if they would carry an extra kicker. Yeah, at some point, at least somebody you can rely on. Nobody does anymore. I remember back in the day, you used to see a lot of like guys that were kickoff kickers, and then they're actual kickers. Yeah. Uh, now a lot of times you're either using the, kick, the regular kicker or punter to do kickoffs. Again, I know those 53 spots or, or excuse me, 47 spots on game day are very valuable, but uh, when you're talking about a game-changing player like this, I mean, there is no substitution like you can with quarterbacks where you only have to activate two, but in an emergency you can you can activate that third. There's no protection there for special teams players. But no. to me, this was – Seattle did exactly what I thought they were going to do this year. I picked that – their demise was was crazy to me. I know a lot of people – there were people that picked – I think you said today – had them as the worst team in the NFC. Yeah, I, I remember back to our predictions. I said, this is probably a nine-win team. Yeah. This is not a dominant team. This is a nine-win team. Uh, credit to Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson for getting them to where they were. Russell Wilson ended up having a pretty strong season. But they weren't. They just weren't good enough. And in, in this game, this I waffle back and forth. We talked about this on Friday. I mean, I went back and forth all week. Do I want the Cowboys? Do I think the Cowboys are going to win? Do I want Seattle to win? Blah, blah, blah. And I ended up switching at the last second to Seattle. And they ended up you – know, a lot of people ended up pushing yeah. in this game. Some people didn't, depending on if you got to yeah. hope or not. But they ended up pushing in this game. But to me, I think long term, it's – I think both of these teams are right about where they're going to be. These are nine or ten win teams as currently constructed. And I don't think either one of them are – Strong Super Bowl contenders. No, I fully expect New Orleans to take care of Dallas this week. Like I fully, I fully expect and the Rams. Uh, the Rams. Yes. I, 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 I don't, I don't anticipate either one of these teams. Now, could it happen? And I'm, and, and like I said earlier, I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for for Dallas, Cowboys and, and, and to, Philly. Uh, New Orleans. But the two best teams, in my opinion, in the NFC, as as much as I love my Bears have been the Rams and the Saints for most of the season. Yes. And I that's what I expected yeah. to see in the NFC Championship game, and I, I think that's what we're going to see. And I think L.A. is is saying thanking their lucky stars that they do not have to face Much against that matchup. Chicago Bears Much defense. Much better matchup for them, regardless. Well, yeah. It just – much they, better matchup. This is, this is the much better matchup for them. That's not to say the Cowboys can't go in there and win. No. They absolutely could. And it will be a lot of Cowboys fans in L.A. And the Cowboys can run better. I mean, look, the Cowboys' offense can do just everything the Bears' offense can do. We'll talk, yep. about, we'll talk about that in a bit. But the, the Cowboys' defense is good. It's not Chicago. No, it's definitely not, it's, even though one team's in and one team's out. Uh, next game, Phillip Rivers gets it done in Baltimore. I think, listen, I, I the, the Chargers – 
were a team that I wanted to, I wanted to pick them so desperately, right? I wanted to say, yes, I believe in this team because I do believe that they are the, and you and I have talked about this, they're the most talented from a roster perspective in the AFC. In the AFC. Yes. And I don't think it's that close. But the Ravens, the worst case scenario with Lamar Jackson yeah. happened. And exactly what I believe it was you. I, even though I picked, I picked them to win, this, was, to this win. was the argument against them. This was the Almost word for word. Yes. This is- and I, multiple times throughout the broadcast, I could hear Jamie saying it because they were saying it on the broadcast is, this is what happens when a team gets to face this team again for the second yeah. time and they've already seen everything that Lamar Jackson throws at them and they prepared and game planned perfectly for this. This was the classic, I should have listened to my head and not my gut. Yep. Because I said this on the show. I said, my gut says I think the, the Ravens get enough done to win this game. But I laid out the case. Here is my concern for Baltimore, and here's how Baltimore loses the game. A, the Chargers are, are now more well-prepared for Lamar Jackson, and he's not going to be able to run wild on them. And B, that they're going to fumble the ball a lot. And that was the story, particularly of the first half of this football where they could, they completely contained Lamar Jackson. They dared him to throw the ball over the top of them, and they caused, I mean, three fumbles on the opening drive. They yeah. only lose one, but, like, it, it was just – that he was looked, the exact it, formula. This was, game wasn't this close. No, this game was not close. There was never a time where I truly believed – I know what happened at the end, and I watched it to the very last minute, and I was rooting for Baltimore to be able to throw a Hail Mary and get crazy, yeah. right? And But there wasn't a time at which I felt like Baltimore really – ever had a shot because I think Lamar Jackson was really just disheveled the whole game. And you, they, they knew exactly what he could do and they forced him out of being able to do what he's comfortable doing. Yes. And that was it. That's what happens when you can game plan and you've already seen this team and, and the chargers were able to game plan. So let's look at this two different ways. So let's look at the Baltimore side first. Cause I do have some thoughts on that one for the Ravens. This is, this is the concern I would have with going into next year. And this is something that Jake has talked about a lot. It's once they get film on you. Yeah. And like Jake says all the time, they pay those defensive coordinators a lot of money to figure out how to stop you. And now they're going to have all off season to game plan. How do we stop this guy? The good thing is that Baltimore and Lamar Jackson have all off season to figure out, okay, how do we take this to the next level? How yes. do we do things differently? How do we counter what they're going to counter with us? Because what the Chargers have showed them is, okay, now we're adjusting back to you. Yep. Now it's the Ravens' turn to adjust right back. And say, okay, how, how do we take it to the next level? And can they do it? Uh, and that would be the true test of whether Lamar Jackson can be a starting quarterback in the NFL long term. He's going to have to pass the ball more. Yeah. He's going to have to be a more efficient passer. He is not going to survive in the NFL doing what they did over the last two months no, of the season. That worked, in, that worked in that stretch, but it's not going to work long term. I believe he has the ability to, but he has to show it. This is where I also think because there's a lot of controversy in this game from the midway through the second quarter about who should be the quarterback in the second half of this football game, whether it should be Joe Flacco, whether it should be Lamar Jackson. If you're going to make the quarterback switch, you make it either right at halftime or after the first drive, first offensive drive for Baltimore. That's when you make the switch. If at that point you decide not to make the switch, then it's completely – you can't do it. You can't do it at any point because there were people when they were claiming when they're down three scores in the third quarter or in the the fourth quarter, they should bring bring a flacco at that point. It's too late. You've lost that football game. Yeah. So now you're talking about what the best thing is for long term. I think that's where that John Calbar contract comes into play. If he wasn't getting insurances that he would be signed next year and wasn't going to get an extension, all of a sudden, I wonder if Joe Flacco would have been in that game. When you're all you're worried about is that one game and that one playoff line. Because to pull Jackson in the fourth quarter there, you have a humongous problem in the offseason that you're going to have to deal with throughout the entirety of training game. 
I think the my biggest issue with what was going on during this game is seeing that everybody, I mean, everybody on social media wanted them to change to Joe Flacco. And you even heard some of the fans. I can't remember who it was on the defense. The defense actually walked up to some fans and said, how do you think we got here? Who got us here? And that was Lamar Jackson. And listen, I get it. I think it would have been, I think it would have been a different conversation, a different game had they had Joe Flacco going into this game. But I think they were, at that moment in time, I think they were ride or die with Lamar Jackson. I think that's kind of the way that they went into it. And when he came out and was starting in the second half, I just assumed that it, they were going to, they were just going to stick with Lamar Jackson. Well, and my thought was, and here's my thought for a single game, here's how I kind of break this down. For one game that day, in that moment, Joe Flacco was probably the best option for the second half. Yes. For the long-term health of the Ravens franchise, not pulling Lamar Jackson was the correct decision. Correct. I think that's – I know that's not the consolation prize Ravens fans want to hear today. But the reality is, is, yes, for that one game, I can make a very strong argument that Joe Flacco was the piece that you wanted in that second half because he gave you – it would change the way the defense was rushing you and he gave you the best opportunity to at least be more dynamic on offense in that game than they were. But long term, you now have much of a you have a much less problem going into next offseason. All right, Jane, let's talk about the Chargers because they win this game, and we we wanted to pick them. So I want to talk about it because I because we've we've discussed how talented they are, yes. and the whole West Coast to East Coast thing didn't really seem to be a problem for Philip Rivers and company, specifically although, on that defense. Although, I was, like I, Rivers what, didn't have the a great one issue. Game. I think but you said Philip Rivers got the job done. Michael Badgley and the defense got yeah, the job done sure. in this game. Rivers did not play well. Uh, it doesn't matter because they're moving on to the next round and they'll get another opportunity. But I just thought for for me, like against that Baltimore defense, they, enough happened. Sure. in that in that but game to make sure that they were okay. They moved the ball a bit, but they didn't move the ball terribly successfully a lot. I mean, again, Michael Badgley had to hit a bunch of field goals in this game to get them going. I know Melvin Gordon finally gets in the end zone, and that whole sequence of events that led to Melvin Gordon getting in the end zone was absolutely stupid on so many fronts. I mean, the officiating this weekend was just a microcosm of the season where they were Terrible. literally just making things up as they went. Yeah. Like, it, it was brutal. But they got they did enough to get the job done. The MVP of this game, if it's not Michael Badgley, it's Melvin Ingram. Yeah. He looked like a monster. Yeah, in he this played. Game. This is exactly the pass rush and the defense that we expected to see when Nick Bosa came back or when Joey Bosa came yes. back and they were healthy. Because these these two rushing the passer and what they what they allow what the one if one is getting attention the other one can't get the right amount of attention because there's yeah. just they're both so talented and if they can stay healthy this defense is so damn good they're so talented and I don't I don't think they get enough credit just because they haven't had Bosa all year and look they've had some games where they they've gotten run over and, but that happens to every defense at some point. It really happened to everybody except the Bears this year. Yeah. Like where they just ended a game where they just gave up like 40. Like even the Ravens had those games where For sure. every once in a while somebody would put up 38 on them and you go, where did that come from? Like the Bears are the only team that didn't have that happen to them really this year. But I just – I look at this team and they have the capability. I mean we talked about it last week. I didn't pick them to win this game. I, prob- I probably should have. I made the perfect case why they would win this and then I didn't pick them. But I said there is a realistic path to them to host the AFC Championship game. And all of a sudden, like the two, two, the, the two things they need to have happen on that weekend, it did. So now if they, they take care of business. And again, the Colts, I think they have a really good shot at Kansas City. All of a sudden, the Chargers might not have the worst path in the world to get to the Super Bowl. Although this is going to be a very interesting game this week because it's a battle of all the trends. Yeah. Chargers had, don't lose outside of California. Patriots don't lose at home. Rivers has never beaten Brady. 
Like there's all these trends that are kind of coming together in this one game. It's going to be fascinating. I know we'll talk about it, but I'm I'm a little excited about this game because I I truly believe, and I know people know this, to beat the Patriots, you have to be able to get at Tom Brady. Yes. You have to. You have to make him uncomfortable. And if, if they can put the same amount of pressure as they did and brought the heat against Lamar Jackson, who's mobile, yes. but Tom Brady cannot move. But the difference is, is you you have zero fear that Lamar Jackson's going to throw 50 yards For sure, the field, 100%. Which allows you to do a lot up front. 100%. I think, we're gonna, I think we're gonna see the true testament of what happens here with Gronk. Because if Gronk is, comp- if Gronk looks like he has for the past six weeks, this could be ugly for yeah. this team. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how this game plays out. Because you, you have the NFL's best road team this year against yeah. a team that's probably been the NFL's best home team for a decade. For sure. I just think this is the least intimidating version of the Patriots that I can remember. It just is. You no, know, it is. And, and, I, and I know that it's the Patriots. And I know – but if there's any guy and team that I'm going to pick that doesn't care – to go into an opposing stadium, I just it, it, I don't think there's an intimidation factor here for the Chargers. No, I just don't think that there is. But they're going to have to play more effectively on offense. In this 100%. Game. If they replicate what they do on offense in New England, they're going to lose. 100%. Like I agree. I because agree. as good as that defense is, the Patriots are going to find a way to get 21 or 24. Oh, yeah. They're going to – yeah. The Patriots will score. It's just is, – is Rivers going to have a MVP-like game that he's had this season – Yes. On the road. And the, the response to that is, is the Patriots defense, they ain't no Ravens. No. So, I mean, you no, got to give the Ravens not, defense a lot of credit because the Ravens sure. kept, somehow mercifully kept this game close for most of the first half. Yeah. Kudos to the, kudos to that defense because they, they played their hearts out. They played a really good game. Oh, we could skip this next game, but we're going to have to talk about it. The Chicago Bears lose to the Philadelphia Eagles 16-15. Uh, it's now been discussed, obviously, that last field goal was tipped. Was I, tipped, yeah. Was, I mean, Here's the thing. As a Bears fan, I feel like I need to say this to other Bears fans and other people that have been highly critical of Cody Parkey. I get it. I understand. He's had a rough season. This isn't something new. It's not like he was great all season and then missed it, which I think people maybe from a national perspective don't understand that we, this is, if you're a Bears fan, you've watched this as a culmination of this entire season. And if you were going to pick a weakness on this team, it was glaringly apparent that it was. The kicking game, and it was—it's it's been special teams. They've been actually one of—I forgot who pointed out. I apologize, whoever did this. It's not not my not my looking up. So I will find out who it was and give them credit. But the Bears have been incredibly unlucky on special teams this yes. whole season. Where I think the field goal percentage against them has been way like way above average, and their own field goal percentage is way low. And they, they, just overall, their special teams. Yeah, there's out of whack. Their special teams. If you were picking something that struggled this season, it was. Very apparent that it was the kicking game, but I I feel the need to defend Cody Parkey here, which it puts me in a weird position. Look, but it, 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 the reality is, if you're a Bears fan, you almost you don't care. You lost. It doesn't matter if it was tipped, if it was no, the scenario for sure. Was. And of course, it's not just missing the field goal; it's hitting the upright. Yes, which again, again. the Cody Parkey special from this year. Yeah. Um, but the real reason you lost this game was because Cody Parkey outscored your offense. That's why you lost this football game. Absolutely. And this is a very tough game to evaluate for Mitch Trubisky. Excuse me, Mitchell, um, because he made some throws down the stretch that were excellent. Yeah, like the, the, he made some throws in this game where you go, okay, that's a guy you build around. He also went long stretches in this game where you went, who I hope this guy gets it figured out soon. So here's here's my evaluation of the game, Jamie. Since you know, I obviously watch this team closely. I didn't like the game plan for Matt Nagy here. I listen, and, and I, I these are not. This is where I'm trying. I got killed on Twitter for saying this. 
I love Matt Nagy, and I'm super excited for him as a head coach, and he did an unbelievable job this season. But from a conservative standpoint, this was my concern. My dad and I talked about it. He did this in Kansas City last year where you saw an explosive offense turn into a pumpkin in a, in a game where you're going, why are you – why is, is Tariq Cohen not in the – Weather's why? not a factor in this No, game. It was absolutely. a beautiful day with no wind. It was 40 it was degrees. It was day. 40 degrees with no wind. In the first half, I was losing my mind. And you even heard it on the broadcast. At one point in the set, right at the beginning of the second half, they ran a misdirection to Taylor Gabriel for, I think, 22 yards, right? Yeah. And Al Michaels says on the broadcast, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more of this. This is the first time we've seen this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I have been saying this all of the first half. Where is the offense that I've seen from Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky? It was like he didn't trust Mitch to, to do what he needed to do. And I just – if that's the truth, if you really don't trust him to run your offense – then he's not the guy. But then my counter to that is if you don't trust him, why do you why did you throw the ball twenty five more times than you ran it in this game? I, Let's see. I, I don't understand. Like, look, I, I, there's a lot of things to understand. You know, tw- uh, Taquan Mizell getting the first touch of this game. Hello, blew my mind. Yes. You have three running backs on your roster better than him. Like him I, being I, on the playoff roster in general was mind boggling. Like, to me, it's like you have a and I understand that. Look, not having Trey Burton in this game all of a sudden hurt them. Because they were able to put Jenkins on Tariq Cohen and have him watch him. And at that point, you didn't have to worry about a tight end mismatch. Adam Shaheen might be something down the road. He's not Trevor. But he's not, he's not like that right now. You, there's not a key focus on we got to stop Adam Shaheen from beating us. It's never going to happen. But you have a dynamic game-changing player in Tariq Cohen. You have a running back that's really been heating up over the last month in Jordan Howard. And again, you give Howard 10 touches. Where do they have Cohen? Four touches in this yeah. game? That's a problem. Listen, I I was as as somebody who's been preaching since the beginning of this season. I want to see the run game more, and then I have seen the run game more over the last six weeks. I didn't understand what was happening there because if if you look at a couple of times throughout this game, if you go back and watch this game, Jordan Howard on first down, second down had a lot of good. He had some good runs, and I'm looking and I'm going, why are we not seeing this more? Why and and you know how running backs are. You got to get in a groove. You got to get the ball. And I get it. You're not the, the offense wasn't working in totality. But I just I, I think it's fair. I love Matt Nagy and I'm super excited for him long term. Yes. I think it's okay to look at this go. This wasn't his best game from a coaching no, perspective. It I, just I didn't like the game plan and I really didn't like the first half how it looked. I just like in a game where you never trailed by more than four points, I don't understand how you don't run the ball more. Thank you. You know what I mean? It's not like they got down early and they slid things around. I made the argument. I know Jake disagreed with me, but I made the argument on the show on Friday. I thought the worst quarterback in the postseason this round was Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. And I I still believe that to this moment. Yeah. And I know he had had one good drive at the end, and I give him credit for that. But he's got to find a way to be more consistent. He's got to find a way to make some of these throws. But you also – the coach has to find a way – to best accentuate him. And, and again, I, I just don't understand why. I mean, neither team really ran the ball a ton in this game, but I just, I don't get it. For a game that was this close, you saw Trubisky was struggling for most of this game. 
43 attempts for him? Like, yeah, I just, I too much. I don't get it. No, he threw the ball too much, and especially when you have Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard and some of the misdirection that we've seen this year with Taylor Gabriel. I don't know why it took to the third quarter to see that type of uh, that type of offense. One no, one positive, Allen Robinson had a monster game. Yes, he I did. I think people forget that he was coming off an ACL injury and how long, again, to Jake's point, how long it takes to come back from that. Really excited for him. I think he's going to be both in a fantasy play in real life. He's going to have a big, big season next year. So he's someone to kind of keep an eye on. The season you thought he was going to have this year is probably what he's going to have next year. All right, let's talk about the Eagles because I talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, but I I think this was the biggest part of this, what what it reflected, why that line in Vegas scared me is because it it didn't reflect what these teams actually are on paper, okay? The Bears were a much better team in the regular season, but Philadelphia on paper was – the was she would have been the favorite had we had this conversation by a landslide at the beginning of the season. Yes, this is a team. The Bears. But to be fair, people thought the Bears were going to win five games. For sure, so. for sure. But it, I, had, I, I think the whole underdog thing here, as I discussed earlier, was a huge overblowing of what this team. Yes. I get they were not great all season long, but. This team had proven themselves. They won the Super Bowl last year. Doug Peterson's there. All the pieces are there. And the quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl was playing. I understand that he's the backup, but the guy who won it when it mattered was starting at quarterback. And listen, I don't. Nick Foles had an. He wasn't buying. It wasn't a beautiful game he by had, him. He, he had the Mitch Trubisky type game, but yeah. it was more pronounced. Where For his sure. mistakes were mind numbing. That, that one of those throws in the first half where he just throws the ball in the corner of the end zone with three bears in front of the one Eagles receiver Yeah, was just like, I don't even know what you saw yeah, in that play. I, listen, but he then had, he makes that play where they're, they're blitzing their entire team. He makes yeah. that throw. It just it throw to the sideline for a first down. And you just go, I mean, it, it, you, both these quarterbacks were extremely inconsistent. Just and frustrating. more pronounced in yes. terms of positive and negative. To me, I just I, at some point, the Eagles' complete inability to run the football is going to come back to bite them. Yeah. I can't believe – I understand. I, look, Darren Sproles had a hell of a career. Yeah. But I'm not handing the ball to Darren Sproles inside my five yard line. I'm no. just not. You have to find somebody who's carrying the ball inside. And he's like four foot two. Yeah. You got to find somebody that you can hand the ball to in the red zone. Yeah. I, I think, listen, I think the. Can it happen? Sure. Will it happen? I just don't think so. I don't think this team has enough. I, I really believe that the Bears were the better football team. I mean, the kick goes, the first kick goes in, and they, the Eagles yeah. are not moving on. I mean, it's, I, I, it is what it is, right? You look at the, you look, this is the, this is what these games are supposed to be like. They're supposed to be close. They're supposed to be pretty evenly matched. I think the teams, from a talent perspective, are pretty evenly matched. I think the Bears had the slight edge on the defensive side of the football. But what yeah. happened was, when push came to shove, Nick Foles made a play when he need when yeah. he really needed to. And Trubisky did to an extent, but it wasn't early enough. I wanted to see that in the first half, and it took him the entirety of the first half to get comfortable because he never looked comfortable in the first half. I'm going to be like one of those coaches who start making up statistics right now, but like you should win 95% of games with the other team only score 16 points. Okay, so you like, I'm sorry. Well, like, not should, only that, you should win more. You should I, win those games. I will tell you, I saw because Adam Schefter tweeted this out earlier. The Bears were plus two in the turnover margin. They had two more turnovers. Yeah. Obviously, they created, they, yeah, they picked created them off. Yeah. In games in the postseason where that happens, the st- it's like 120 and four. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, they should have won. If you told if me. If you told me that the, the Eagles would score 16 points and the Bears would have a plus two turnover differential, I'm like, the Bears have won by 20. Yeah. I, 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 ex- I would expect that that game would have been 36 to. To, but that's where, to 16 or but that's where it goes back to the two things we talked about. 
one, you need to run the ball more effectively. Yep. And two, Trubisky's got to play better. Yeah. Like I mean, this isn't this loss isn't on all on Trubisky. No. It's not all on Nagy. It's certainly not all on Parkey. No. Again, Parkey was scored more points than anybody on your offense did. No, there's break a, it to everybody. But, correct. So uh, there, there's there's blame to go, to around, go around in that spot. If you look just at the last play, then yes, Parkey's got to make that because Tariq Cohen puts them in a great position there. They sure. did everything right on that final drive except make the field goal. Yeah. But leading up to that final drive, there were a lot of things that went wrong. And yeah. There was both play calling, both execution. Nothing was disastrous that people remember. There wasn't like a, a horrible pick six or something that no. people remember. So it's going to be looked at a little bit differently. But there were many missed opportunities in that game. And if this team, again, you traded up yep. to take this guy with the number two overall pick. You have seen improvement year over year. From year one to year two, there's been improvement, and I don't think anybody can argue that. Yep. Do you see that jump from year two to year three? Because if this is the best you're going to get from Trubisky, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with it. Yeah. Because you're not going to get a much better defense than you got this year. No, it's this. Everybody it's, comes back, you're still probably not going to be able to replicate just quite as good as this defense was no. all year. No, and I think it's my same argument with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is going to have to – it's the same argument I've had with Marcus Mariota. It's the same argument I have with Jameis Winston. You look at these guys and you go, okay, you're good enough in moments, but overall, is this guy the guy? And I want to be open-minded. I, I was critical of the Trubisky pick there. So I, was I. I. I didn't think he was the best quarterback in the draft. I didn't think he should go that high off the board. But I also didn't expect him to take as big of a leap forward this year as he did with Nagy. So yeah. he deserves a lot of credit for that. Both the coach and the player deserve a ton of credit for that. But when it came to, when it counts – this is where being able to make a big play matters because Nick Foles made mistakes in this game. Yes. But he and he made some bad mistakes in this football game. He made like, oh, Jeff Fisher's coaching me again mistakes. But he was also able to dig himself out of those mistakes with a couple big touchdown drives. Yeah. Trubisky was able to get one good touchdown drive out of it and he gets some credit for that. But he's got to be able to create more overall because I'd rather have a quarterback that will make a mistake here and there but can dig themselves out of it than a quarterback that doesn't make the huge mistake but also can't get us back into the game when we need to. Yeah, I think the biggest part of this is you're looking at Matt Nagy has said it took Alex Smith five years to figure out the offense that he put into play. And and you're expecting you are expecting that well, next year if you're, if you're coaching it takes five years for you guys to learn your offense you ain't gonna last long in the league well that's sorry it's not how this league works and also I would say for this part you're you're saying okay it's year three okay it's year three for Trubisky my expectations were not super high for him this year he exceeded what he I took expected a step forward for sure no doubt that was not. that was literally my expectation just look better this year my expectation for next year in his second season with Matt Nagy having an entire offseason to prepare, are, are, they're going to be – my expectations are going to be much higher. I need him – can he win me games on his own? Absolutely. Not 10 games on his own, but no. can he win me one or two or three key games where it's the Mitch Trubisky game? Yes. Is there true. moments where he can do that for you? And can that, how can how can they be more consistent? My only concern would be no, Tariq Cohen ain't going to surprise anybody next year. No. Okay, so how has that offense changed a little bit? I still think they might – I mean, I don't know if they really need more weapons. They've got the pieces on that team that can be good. I don't think you have to add on that offense. No. You just got to – No, I don't Trubisky know, I don't, has to be better, period, they, yeah, end of sentence. has to be better, and I think they have to commit to the running game yep. consistently. I yep. know they did finally did toward the end of the year, but it was something we yelled about before, and it was ultimately cost them in this game too. No, long-term. commit to the running game. Yeah, long-term, it has to It has to be part of that offense. All right, Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner on Instagram. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I, both on Twitter and Instagram. You should follow at TD Fantasy underscore. Hope you guys enjoyed the playoffs. I certainly am still in depression mode, but I'll be back. I'll be in a much more bright spirit on Wednesday. Uh, Jake will be back, so we'll yes. see you guys on Wednesday. Tease Bama in the over tonight. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.